You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Ada Limon. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Ada Limon, welcome to the Creative Process. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. The poem that I has been coming to me lately, primarily because of the sort of where we are right now as a globe, as a universe, as a species. And I wonder sometimes what it is to have hope or to even want to be where you are right now, despite the suffering that's all around you. And I think that's something that's a core uh, of my work, something that I'm always trying to work through and work with. And so I call this poem sort of an apocalyptic love poem. It's called The Conditional. Say tomorrow doesn't come. Say the moon becomes an icy pit. Say the sweet gum tree is petrified. Say the sun's a foul black tire fire. Say the owl's eyes are pinpricks. Say the raccoon's a hot tar stain. Say the shirt's plastic ditch litter. Say the kitchen's a cow's corpse. Say we never get to see it. Bright future stuck like a bum star, never coming close, never dazzling. Say we never meet her, never him. Say we spend our last moments staring at each other, hands knotted together, clutching the dog, watching the sky burn. Say, it doesn't matter. Say, that would be enough. Say, you'd still want this. Us, alive, right here, feeling lucky. It really distills so many of the sense of hope or the fragility of hope too. Like we have to hold fast to reality as well and Mm -hmm. not live in a dream, but it says that quite beautifully. When did you write this poem? This poem was written in, I think in 2014. So it was written quite a while ago and yet it speaks to this moment. I think it was written for me when I was having a real moment of reckoning, not that I hadn't had it earlier, but where I was doing some deep reading about the climate crisis and really reckoning with myself, with where we were and what was happening, what the truth was. And I felt like it was so easy to slip down into a darkness, into a sort of numbness. And I didn't think that that numbness and darkness could be useful. Um, and so I thought, how can I be useful in this in this moment? How can I come back to myself? Um, and this poem came out of that, which is sort of like, you know, say all the dark things come true, say all of that is true. Um, what is it to return to this moment, to this present moment? Um, I think so often in any kind of teachings, uh, of you know the buddha or of any any kind of work on the mat as we say when you're trying to be present i think that so often we get caught up in this idea of like oh this present moment this present moment and we have an idea of what it is but i don't really think we have an idea of it until we force ourselves to come up against the opposite which is the past or the future Um, And in this case, I played with the future. Um, 
which then could unravel and bring me back into the present. It's almost impossible for us to imagine certain futures, like if you're talking about our own extinction or, you know, the possibility of not being Mm -hmm. and everything that we take for granted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think also you um, touch on, you know, the grace of animals for those whose art is words, art is a comfort and Mm -hmm. the beauty of life. And then I wonder, how do we use our skills? And maybe how do we put aside our skills when we're faced with our extinction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really an important thing to consider because what I think the danger is when we are faced with reality, and if we want to be clear eyed and intelligent and look at the science and understand really what is happening to our planet, I think the danger in that sort of pulling in of that information and absorbing it is to fall down the well. And what happens if we all just give up, right? I mean, we're sort of seeing that on some levels where people are saying, well, it's all going to burn anyway. So why does it matter, right? Like that's that, that kind of thinking feels very, that nihilistic thinking feels very dangerous to me. And so I always want to bring it back to like, what is it to hold scary, frightening, you know, even overwhelmingly terrifying thoughts within us, but then also have some seed of hopefulness, some seed of acceptance and surrender to that there can be beauty. And maybe there's even more beauty now as we see it shifting and changing and maybe slipping away from us. And loss is also a subject of a number of your poems and and knowing how to just uh, appreciate what's precious in terms of what we can learn from animals as you touched on in your poem. I feel like I love language so much and, and then it's mysterious to me that ways that animals communicate. I just am in awe of how they organize and how they you know, work in harmony with each other. I was just in uh, as a park the other day and there was the sky was full of birds and they were all crying as though it was like a great catastrophe or so. I didn't know what it was, what they were crying about and they were flying and, and I thought, oh gosh, they know something that I don't know. So I guess they were all gathering to migrate. And within the space of like a minute, the sky that's full of chaos, they're gone. Mm. So the way they can organize, I wish we could just learn from that. Their their instinct really is something we're losing. You know, when you get inspiration for your poetry, does it overtake you? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. Thank you for that. I feel that I'm oftentimes curious about something. It's something I need to interrogate within myself. Sometimes it begins with a sound or music or image. Sometimes it's literally, it's a feeling and like, what is this that I can't name? And I begin there. And, you know, it's very rarely an idea as much as it's like a bodily sensation or an image or a sound or something that's entering through the ear or the eye. And that's when I start to go, okay, what is this? obstacle kind of, you know, or what is this thing that I'm curious about? And then as I can kind of go into it, 
I start to find the music in it. And so that's, it's being, it's being interrogated, not just by the questioning of language, but also the questioning that space and breath allows that poetry offers, right? That anytime you have the cesura or the line break or the stanza break, all of that is gonna offer that breath. And so I think that one of the reasons I love poetry and it allows me to kind of figure out something or deeply question something is because it allows space for breath and because it allows space for an unknowing and mystery as opposed to I'm going to sit down and I'm going to solve this thing. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to name it and therefore be healed. I think instead it's like, oh, what I'm going to understand is that this is what it is to be human. This is what it is to be complex, to have capacity for many things, to be able to both absorb and release in the same space of a page. Um, and that is really interesting to me because it feels like instead of creating something that sort of wraps things up or is sort of like, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be some sort of beautiful gem that makes us all feel good. Uh, I'm much more interested in what it is to have that mystery take place within there and have that sense of unknowing, have that sense of solace in the making and in the mess, as opposed to in the answers. And do you have a, a poem that's about that process and that creative spark or what, you know, when something overtakes you? I do feel like there's a, um, there's moments in my work where I've realized I'm trying to get at something. And then instead of trying to find an answer, I think I ask more questions. And I think that is very much in the poem, um, The Vulture and the Body, which has to do with when I was, for a while, we were trying to figure out if we wanted to have a child to bring someone into this world. And then we decided that we did. And then I found out that I couldn't have a child. And so this is in the middle of fertility treatments and this kind of, and I, again, it was sort of a, a feeling within me that how do I pace these things together in a way that makes sense in my mind? And of course, the only way I could do that was through language. This is the vulture and the body. On my way to the fertility clinic, I passed five dead animals. First, a raccoon with all four paws to the sky, like he's going to catch whatever bullshit loads falls on him next. Then a grown coyote, his golden furred body soft against the white cement lip of the traffic barrier, trickster no longer, an eye closed to what's coming. Close to the water tower that says Florencio, which means I'm near Cincinnati, but still in the bluegrass state and close to my exit, I see three dead deer, all staggered, but together. And I realize as I speed past in my death machine that they are family. I say something to myself between a prayer and a curse. How dare we live on this earth? I want to tell my doctor how we all hold a duality in our minds, futures entirely different, footloose or forged. I want to tell him how lately it's enough to be reminded that my body is not just my body, but that I'm made of old stars, and so's he.
and that last Tuesday, I sat alone in the car by the post office and just was for a whole hour, no one knowing how to find me until I got out the sound of the car door shutting like a gun and mailed letters, all of them saying, thank you. But in the clinic, the sonogram wand showing my follicles, he asks if I have any questions and says things are getting exciting. I wanna say, but what about all the dead animals? But he goes quicksilver and I'm left to pull my panties up like a big girl. Some days there is a violent sister inside of me and a red ladder that wants to go elsewhere. I drive home on the other side of the road going south now. The white coat has said I'm ready and I watch as a vulture crosses over me heading toward the carcasses I haven't properly mourned or even forgiven. What if instead of carrying a child, I am supposed to carry grief? The great black scavenger flies parallel now. Each of us speeding intently and driven toward what we've been taught to do with death. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.